everybody. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. You know what? That is actually a beautiful sound because there was months that we weren't able to do that. And folks didn't feel very safe to do that. And uh, of course, when we came back inside, uh, we had a lot of folks that didn't feel safe to attend indoor services. And that's fine. Uh, you know, we continue to stream. And, and, and so we had many families that were still watching us on, online. And, uh, but to hear fellowship and to hear sounds of, of, of love and connectivity, man, it thrills me. It thrills me. I know, I know we're, we're closer than ever to getting past all this mess. And uh, if we can just be patient. And I told you, told you when it happens, because, man, we were, those of you who were with us prior to COVID, y'all know we were a potluck church, man. We, we love to eat and cook. And we got some guys that, if there's any vegetarians or vegans in the house, my apologies. But, man, we got some guys that know how to smoke some meats. And we got a lot of carnivores around here. And, <laughs> And that is some good, good stuff. And, and uh, man, you grew up in my house, you're going to know your way around a chicken. And uh, so that's why I was thrilled. Uh, she's, she's not here today, but m many of you know Myrna, Myrna Hay, who's just an absolute sweetheart. Um, and and uh, so sweet. And, and uh, But she, you know, those of you who know Myrna, she's going to do things her own way, Right. And, and uh, so I, uh, you know, we told everyone, hey, y'all go sign up for Dinner with Dave. And really quick, I was checking, checking the, the website after service while we were tearing down the drums and stuff. And uh, I was like, man, it's already filled up. And then uh, Myrna came up. She wasn't worried about going to no website. She just came up. She said, Pastor, I'm going to be there. I said, well, all right. Uh, come on. Come on. I was like, well, Myrna's not that big. So she ain't going to take much space anyway, right? So, uh, and then she said, what do you want me to bring? I said, oh, just bring your appetite. I got it all taken care of. She goes, all right, I'll bring chicken wings. So <laughs> now that's the thing about Myrna. She's liable to show up at your night, but, but she's going to bring something. She's always, she's such a blessing. I, lo I love Myrna to death. But so I was laughing. And then uh, the day of, she, she, te she texted me and said, I'm so excited, Pastor. I'm bringing one of my neighbors. So all right, all right you know, my townhouse isn't all that big, but all right, we'll, we'll make room. And, uh, and she did. She showed up. Man, with chicken wings. So I, man, like I said, I know my way around a chicken, and I love me some chicken wings. So we need some good, we need some good smoked meats and all that stuff. Man, we're gonna have a potluck to end all potlucks when this is over with. And uh, there's gonna be lots of hugs, right? All of you who are kind of too shy to hug right now, I understand. You know, everyone's got to stay safe, but just, just be ready when this thing breaks. Whether you know me or not, you're getting a hug. For threat of lawsuit, I'm still, I'm, I'm going to be a hug dealer. I'm not worried about drug dealer. I'm a hug dealer. So, uh, so be praying on, on June 6th. We've got um, uh, June 6th, and we'll give you more details as we go, but uh, Harvesters Reaching the Nations, which is our uh, foreign missions group that we support. They're doing incredible jobs in North Africa, especially in Uganda. And, and we saw uh, a video with the orphans last week, some of the orphans that we support uh, every month. Uh, Esther Tuwango is the orphan that I support. She's the same age as my youngest daughter. And I got her picture on my fridge and I give every month to her and I pray uh, or give every month the, the harvest for it, uh, harvesters for it. I pray over every day. We're going to give you an opportunity to, if, if the Lord lays on your heart, to, uh, to, to give monthly uh, to support a particular orphan. Uh, that, that would be amazing. But, but they are celebrating, I believe, JJ, is it 20 years or 25 
I think it's 20 years they are celebrating. They're doing a, a prayer walk initiative. And so all the churches that are, that are affiliated, we're going to be doing uh, a prayer walk on June 6th. So we're already talking about being back out in the park. Uh, and then afterwards, you know, whoever will, will, will participate, we're going we're gonna to walk through this neighborhood and pray, uh, not, just, not just for uh, what's going on all over the world, but pray also for our neighborhood. And the, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing just to get out and just, just pray and bless our community and, and not, not even worry about, uh, we're not gonna, I'm, I'm not even worried about promoting gathering church. I just want to promote Jesus to the neighborhood and lift him up, you know. So, so be praying about that. But there's, you know, we've thrown out in our staff meeting, we've thrown out the potential of uh, looking at a picnic. I'm not saying it's official. So Kate, if you're watching this later, just calm down. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying it's official. I'm just planting that seed for you. Amen. Uh, also be in prayer. Uh, Paul's going to be doing a prayer walk across England. And uh, uh, he was supposed to do it last year. COVID shot the wheels off. But it's basically 25 years after starting Pays, and he's been doing a prayer walk. He, or there's, a, there's a hiking trail that will take you clear across England. You've got to go through mountains and different stuff. So uh, he's going to be doing that in this coming month. When do you leave out? The 3rd of May. <laughs> okay, but, but you've got to go early, correct, for to quarantine and stuff. So be in prayer for Paul, and, and uh, he's got some links out there on Facebook and stuff if you want to read, read more about it or even if you want to give toward it, just uh, check that out. But uh, so lots of exciting things taking place. Uh, amen. We're going to be talking about the after still. Uh, we started this last week, the after. It just doesn't stop at resurrection, you know. We celebrated the resurrection just a few weeks back, uh, but, but it didn't stop there. Jesus, after resurrection, he hung out for 40 days. He hung out 40 days before his ascension. And there were some incredible things that he did and incredible things that he said that were recorded and so we're taking a look at a few of those just to see what, what lessons we can learn prior to his ascension. Then after his ascension, there was a waiting period to where all of a sudden the, he sent the comforter back, the Holy Spirit that was poured out on Pentecost, the day of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost Sunday this year is actually May 23rd. So we're going to take some time leading up to that to, to talk about the significance of Pentecost uh, it's, it's actually the feast, the feast of harvest is what it was uh, officially called, and it was uh, 50 days after Passover. Passover was the feast of unleavened bread, and then 50 days, which is all Pentecost means, is 50. Pentecost uh, was 50 days or, or, or the feast of harvest, and there's a lot of significance that ties it into the Old Testament and uh, what God did with Moses and uh, the birth of the church and the continued empowerment of the church today. Uh, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to ch live a transformed life, but also empowers us to actually uh, further the kingdom and do the work of God. And is our, our direct link, our, our hotline. It's the bat phone. You remember the bat phone? Commissioner Gordon had the bat phone. Take him right to the cave, to the bat cave. Well, we've, we've got our own God phone, and it's uh, the Holy Spirit. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll take some time over the, over the coming weeks to explore all that. Uh, but today, I want to talk to us about come, come up higher. When, you're, when you walk with the Lord, 
and you commit yourself to the Lord, there's always a call to come up higher, always a call to increase, and always a call for him to increase. And the more he increases, we have to decrease. The more rights we want to gain and the more authority and power we want to walk in the kingdom, the less rights and authority we personally have, correct? Uh, but we get to actually walk as represent representatives of Christ, uh, which is a far better gig than being a representative of David Butler, really. <laughs> so, so uh, but I want to talk to talk to us today about what that commitment looks like and what what that mindset and that process looks like, because we're all we're all coming to the Lord uh, at different levels and different places of commitment, different places in love. You know, uh, I think all of us, to an extent, you know, to whatever extent in this house, we love the Lord, we love God. But we may just be at different places with what that love means. And uh, no matter where you're at, you're heading somewhere with it. So we're going to talk about that today. So, but first, I want to talk to you about six different words for love that we, we find in the Greek. Now, there's more, more words, but these are, these are all very curious, okay? We're going to talk about the, we're going to concentrate on these last two. But, but these are six words for love that, that are actually used in the New Testament. Now, like when, when everything was translated from Greek to Latin, then from Latin into German, and from German to all the other uh, languages of the world, there's a lot that gets lost in translation. But one word for love in Greek is eros. Eros. Everyone say eros. eros. It means physical or sensual love and, and passion. Right? Within our society, we really glorify eros. So we have a very... Um, sexually heightened society with billboards and entertainment and all that stuff. And so we, we really glorify it. The Greeks were actually slightly scared of it. They were like, man, you know, eros can be very dangerous because you can lose your mind. You know? You know, that's why you hear the term mad, passionate love. Well, it, it can drive you mad. You know, that kind of desire and passion can make you do uh, erratic things, right? Uh, so eros, it's where we it's, you know, you can see the, the, the natural English progression from the Greek. It's where terms like erotic and all that type of stuff comes from, right? Then you have ludus. Everyone say ludus. ludus. Not ludus chris, not anything, or ludicrous, but ludus. Uh, it means playful or teasing, right? Uh, it's it's uh, very, it would be uh, associated with children, the way that children love to connect and play together. And, and it doesn't matter who it is. Hey, they, they can meet a kid for the first time. Another kid can meet another kid. And, and the, you know, within five minutes, they're playing Legos or you know, swinging or, or doing whatever. Well, but it also, in, in, in adult terms, it would be flirtatious. You know? uh, perhaps when a couple get together for the first time or they start getting to know each other, there's a little flirting that goes on. Uh, it's, it's also indicative of uh, even... even it's where we get the, the term lewd from. You know, just north of here, obviously, there are more adult-oriented uh, uh, places of business, correct? <laughs> you know, and so, well, what is that? There, it's kind of teaser, uh, teaser type of product, right? Uh, you, you don't get to participate in full-out eros, but there would be more of a ludus or a teaser type of product, which is where, why we would say, okay, those places are lewd, right? So, uh, that's where we get that. Then you have pragma. Everyone say pragma. Pragma means a long-standing love. It would be indicative of a couple who maybe has been married, say, 50 years plus or so. Uh, 
that they would have a long-standing love. They're very sensible. They're very realistic. You know, they know that marriage and life is not full of foo-foo dust every single day and fairies and roses. Uh, that there may be moments that they get to tease and flirt. There may be moments of eros. They're, they're, but, but at the same time, they're very sensible about it. It's where we get the word pragmatic, which would mean sensible, right? Or, or perhaps uh, willing to compromise to reach a common goal, okay? Uh, the, next, the next word is uh, philosia. Everyone say philosia. It means self-love, that you, you have to love yourself. You have to take care of yourself, you know? Sometimes you have to be your biggest cheerleader, right? If you don't believe in yourself, how is anyone else going to believe in yourself? Uh, Socrates, one of the, the Greek philosophers, basically said that, that all love for neighbors has to first extend out of the desire and love for yourself. Sounds really familiar, doesn't it? What did Jesus say? That the second greatest law was to love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? So uh, they realized that that could be unhealthy. Sometimes you can think too highly of yourself, but, but there is truth to that. You've, you've got to learn to accept you, and you've got to love yourself regardless of your flaws. You have to understand that you are perfectly imperfect, or imperfectly perfect, however you want to say it, all right? Uh, the next word, uh, and this is one that we're going to concentrate on today, is philia. Everyone say philia. It means brotherly love. It means uh, if, if you have a friend who is almost like family to you and that you would, you'd bend over backwards for them, and if they're in trouble, you're the first one they're going to call. You know, if there's an emergency in your life, you know you can call this person and depend on them. You, you wind up doing holidays together. You, you, you wind up, uh, you, you're closer to them. You, you'd go vacationing with them far before you'd go vacationing with other family members. Y'all know what I'm saying, Right? Uh, it's, it's, so it's brotherly love. It's very, uh, it's very indicative, especially in the Greek culture where you had uh, different, different type of warriors, guys who prepare for battle and for war together, you know, become com- comrades, brothers. Today we would see it um, amongst perhaps uh, athletes, you know, especially uh, college athletes or, or high school athletes, you know, guys who aren't, you know, once you get into the pros, you're kind of doing it for the money more so than you are for, for the brothers per se. But, but uh, it's, it's, you know, ladies, you have, you have the friend that you would go to before you would go to any other woman to confide in, right? And, and other, y'all know what I'm saying, we all got that friend that if you wound up in jail, that's who you're going to call, right? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. So, you know, the brother from another mother, the sister from another mister, right? Uh, that's also philia. That's where the city Philadelphia, Pennsylvania gets its name right? Because Philadelphia is known as the city of brotherly love, unless you're a Cowboys fan. And you know them Eagle fans, that's the city of brotherly shove. That ain't no city of brotherly love. But the city of brotherly love, well, it's based off of this word philia, right? The next word, agape. Everyone say agape. It's the highest form of love. It's selfless love. You know, when, when the Bible says that God is love, it's God is agape. He just let, well, God chooses to love us. No, God, he loves us. Why? Because he is love. That's what he does. He gives. He gives. You know, there, one of my favorite poems by one of my favorite poets, uh, Rumi, said, it, it goes to the, the effect of 
after all these years, the son has never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what a love like that can do. It lights up the whole sky. And that's what the love of Christ does. The agape of God. The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, he loved us and he died for us, or he agaped us. It's a love that doesn't expect anything in return. It's selfless. It just gives. It gives. It's a love that's willing to sacrifice it all. For God so loved the world, he agaped the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe should not perish, but have everlasting life, the Bible said. It's the purest, highest form of love. Most of us learn to love really quick by what we're going to get out of it. But agape just loves for the sake of love. And agape would give, if you agape, so the closest we could find uh, for me in my life, the closest I've encountered is when I started becoming a parent. You know, my 15-year-old daughter, Sophie, some of y'all saw her hop up on stage and give me a hug the other week. Uh, when she was born, I remember holding her in the middle of the night and, and quieting her down and, and feeding her and rocking her back to sleep. And it was just me and her about three o'clock in the morning. And I, I just was so in love, you know? I'd, I'd never felt that kind of love in my life. And those of you who are parents, you, you can understand that. And yet here's this child that can't do anything for me. You know, a newborn's not gonna do anything for you. We got some newborns here in the church, you know? And, and you know, uh, uh, Mark and, and, and Jamie, <laughs> I'm sorry. it's the masks, the masks distract me. So y'all pray for me. I'm introducing myself to people that have been coming to the church for two months and I see them without a mask. I don't know who they are, but, but Mark and Jamie, of course they got, they've, they've got their new addition to the family. Uh, uh, TJ and Nikki have got a newborn man. And yet, yet, yet they adore these newborns. These newborns can't do a thing. Matter of fact, these, because of these newborns, you lose sleep and you gladly do it. You give up your life. All of a sudden, you don't go, you're marooned, aren't you? You remember that, parents? You're marooned for like at least a year and a half. You don't go anywhere. And even if you get invited to, it's just, you know what? It's just easier to go. I'm not leaving the house. You know, it's just, you know, what do you do? You give up your life and you love someone who can't do a thing for you other than make a wreck of things, you know? And, and we wouldn't have it any other way. That's, that's a form of agape, okay? Now, with that in mind, we're gonna go back and revisit, really briefly, a story that I talked about some on Easter. So though, if you were here on Easter, you'll remember, remember me hitting on these points. Uh, if you want, won't, this, is, this will be new. But everyone remembers the story. Peter denied Jesus three times, right, when he was on trial, he denied him three times. And if you remember, the angel said, hey, told the women at, at, the, at the tomb, said, go tell the disciples and especially tell Peter, Jesus wants to meet him in Galilee, right? Last week, we talked about Jesus appeared to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus and that we found out, oh, he, he, he showed himself to Peter. So Peter saw him at some point. So all the disciples head back up north to Galilee, to, to Lake Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, and they're waiting. They're trying to figure out where is he going to be. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And they said, well, we're going to join you. And they fished all night long. And they didn't catch anything. Any of you guys that go fishing, ever, ever encounter that? You go for a whole weekend. You don't hardly catch anything. But at the same time, it's therapeutic. You know, you're not too mad about it. <laughs> it's, it's very meditative. And yet, things, all of a sudden, they have an encounter that's very similar to some of their early encounters. 
There's a guy who's cooking breakfast on the shore, and as the boat's coming in, he yells out, he goes, hey, how much you, how much you catch? How are they biting? And they said, we didn't catch anything. So he says, throw the net over on the right side of the boat. I bet you'll catch something. So they did. Hey, why not? Matter of fact, they couldn't get the net back in the boat. It filled up so much, right? And so Peter realized, that's him. That's Jesus. That's how crazy this was. Peter had to put his clothes back on. That guy was rough. That's why, that's why his name was Simon. God called him Peter or Petra. Jesus called him Petra or Rocky. You know, he was tough. He's out fishing in his underwear in the middle of the night. Had a, he said he put his clothes back on, hopped in the water, got to shore, and there it was. It was Jesus, and he was making breakfast. Oddly enough, you know, he was having fish sandwiches. He was grilling fish, it says, and he had toast. He was making, he had bread, making fish sandwiches for him. And he says, hey, bring some of that fish in. And so they, he feeds them breakfast, right? And right after breakfast, all of a sudden, he has this conversation. Now, I have replaced, we all know this story. He asked Peter three times, do you love me? He said, yeah, Lord, you know I love you. Three times, partly because he's allowing Peter to correct a mistake that he made. You know, you made three mistakes, you deny me. Guess what, I love you enough. I'll give you a mulligan on each one of them. You, you get a do-over. But a lot is lost, and, and I really want to thank Isaac for kind of pointing something. He, he's the one who's responsible for steering me in this direction. It's been obsessive to me uh, ever since. John chapter 21, starting with verse 15. After breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me enough to sacrifice it all? Do you love me enough just for the sake of not what I can give you, but just for the sake of what you can do for me? Is that the kind of love you have for me? Because that's what Peter bragged about for a long time. Peter's like, ain't nobody gonna touch you, Jesus. Man, I'll go to my death with you. I'll chop this guy's ear off. Matter of fact, you know, I mean, Peter was like one of the most brash, you know, trash-talking dudes out there. He talked all kind of smack about how much he loved God and how much he'd follow Jesus. And yet when Jesus was in his darkest time and the pressure was on, he denied him three times. So Jesus is also helping him to identify where he is. He says, do you agape me? Do you love me more than anything else? Notice what Peter said. Yes, Lord, Peter replied. You know I philia you. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. He asked him, do you love me more than anything else? Do you love me enough to give it all to me? I love you like a brother, was the response. I love you like a brother. You're my boy. You could call me when you need me, Jesus. But he wasn't quite ready to say, as he used to brag, I'd give it all to you. My whole life belongs to you. What Jesus was trying to show him is, come up higher, come up higher. So he tells him, feed my lambs. In other words, there's gonna be a whole lot of young believers that come in very shortly, in a few weeks after the day of Pentecost, and I'm gonna need you to be ready to teach them and show them the way. Get ready to feed my lambs. Verse 16, Jesus repeated the question. Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you love me more than anything else? What is he doing? He's trying to call him up higher. He's trying to expand him. He's trying to become more in Peter's life than what Peter is to himself. Peter said, you know I philia you. He's like, Lord, you're my brother. <laughs> I'm not there yet, okay? I'm not, I'm not that committed. But I am committed because you're my bro. 
We're, we're boys. Come on, man. You're family. Now notice what Jesus said. The lambs aren't little anymore. They're now sheep. He says, then take care of my sheep, Jesus said. In other words, uh, other translation said, tend to my sheep or pastor my sheep. These people are starting to grow. They're starting to mature. They need a pastor. They need someone to tend. He said, Peter, I want you to take personal responsibility to tend to my sheep, but it's going to take agape. It takes agape to pastor, to tend to God's sheep. Why? Listen, I love you guys. Y'all are God's sheep, but let me tell you about sheep. Sheep have teeth and they bite, <laughs> you know? I would, love, I would love to say that all of us are God's sweet little lambs. Look at God's sweet little lambs hanging out in Viridian. Oh, look at them. They're just chewing the cud and all nice and fluffy. Let me tell you about some of y'all. Some of y'all bite and you know it. And some of y'all have bit me. That's all right, I love you. And we work through it, don't we? We keep growing and we keep loving each other. But he's showing Peter, look, I'm gonna need you to sell out to me. I'm gonna need you to give it all. You gotta agape me. And he said, no, nah, I just, I, I philia you. You're my bro. Now notice, Jesus finally comes back to him in the next verse, 17. A third time he asked him, Simon, son of John, but notice what he said. Do you philia me? He accepted and identified where Peter was in his walk. And it said that Peter became upset. Peter was hurt. Some translations said that he began to cry. That Jesus asked a question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I, you know that I philia you. So he, Jesus took a back, took a back a bit. Okay, don't worry about pastoring. Just go back to teaching. <laughs> Feed my sheep, because that's where you're at. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. We are all at different places in our walk, in, in our faith journey. There are some of us here that are willing to sell out. Some of you, some of you have given your whole life to him. You've allowed yourself to be uh, displaced. <laughs> you, you've given up your rights, per se, as you, but yet you've received the rights of Christ all the freedom that comes in walking in the kingdom and in his authority. But you have to die out to yourself, don't you? Some of you, uh, you know, James and Mary, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. They started out, uh, we learned Friday night, they, were, they started out up in uh, Baltimore. And the Lord said, hey, come on down to Texas. They had family saying, what in the world are you going to Texas for? You don't have anyone down there. And he said, well, because that's where God told us to go. Well, what was that? They said, look, we just, we're sold out. We, we, we want to agape him. We, we're just going to give. We love him. And whatever he asks us to do, we're going to do it. You know, some of you have, have come from other countries here to the U.S. to serve him. Now, some of, some of you are here because you're like, you know, I'm here because I'm trying to keep my wife happy. So I'm going to go to church with her. And Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus, we're, we're bros. Some of you are at a place you say, yeah, I agape him. I, everything I have is his. Others of you are like, I, I, philia, I philia him. You know, hey, Jesus is cool. I gave him my Sunday morning. That's got to count for something, right? You know, it's got to count for something. I actually had somebody, I had a couple the other year say, hey, this year we made a, a New Year's resolution. Me and my husband, we're going to at least 
come to church at least twice a month because that's two more times than what we were. So that's got to count for something upstairs, right? <laughs> I said, you know what? Yeah, get, your, get yourself here two times. That's awesome. <laughs> Let's go. You know, why? Because Jesus is like, hey, if you want me to be Jesus on Sunday morning, then that's where you're at right now. Because a lot of us have, we, we've got, we're, we're more fans of Jesus than, than we are his servants, right? You know, we're kind of like, like your favorite football team. You're going to cheer them on on Sunday, and then the rest of the week you got to go live your life. We kind of do that all across America, don't we? Woo! We cheer on Jesus on Sunday, and then the rest of our life during the week is like whatever we're doing. Well, that's, that's not really walking with him daily and having a daily, but you know what? I could sit up here and condemn folks for it, but, but at the same time, Jesus said, hey, you want to philia me? You want to just love me like a bro? Yeah, I'll be a bro. I'll hang out with you. Isn't that wonderful that we have a Savior that will get down to where we're at? But, now I mentioned that on Easter, but now as for Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. Good day. Notice what Jesus says in verse 18, because he sits down, he says, I'm, so I'm just your bro, huh? Yeah, that's where I'm at. Okay, I love you. I'll be your bro. But look what he says. I tell you the truth, Peter, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked. You dressed yourself and you went wherever you wanted to go. That's really all we want to do in life, right? I'm my own man. Hey, I'm a grown adult. I've worked hard to get to this place. I've worked hard to get this money. I've worked hard to get to this point in my career. I want to go where I want to go. I want to be where I want to be. Ain't nobody going to tell me to do nothing. Look, I love everyone. I'm a good guy. I, I go to church sometimes, as a matter of fact. And me and Jesus, we're cool. And he understands me. And Jesus said, yeah, that's fine. We'll flee each other for, for a bit. But just understand, there's a time you can do whatever you want to do. But when you're old or when you have matured, when you are more complete, you will stretch out your hands and others will dress you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know by what kind of death he would glorify God. Then Jesus said, Peter, follow me. Well, wait a minute. <laughs> what kind of death? Now, history tells us that Peter was crucified in Rome. Uh, some, some, uh, uh, some traditions say he was crucified upside down because he didn't, want to, he didn't feel worthy to be crucified in the same way his Savior was. Uh, some traditions say that his wife was right across the piazza being burnt at the stake and that he sung songs of hymns and praise to try to comfort her and would tell her, we'll be together in just a few moments, baby. We'll, you hang in there. We're gonna, we'll be together here shortly. Now, however it went down, Peter did give his life for Jesus. He gave him everything. There was a time that he finally came to a point that he agaped. He was willing to sacrifice it all for the Lord. And Jesus told him that. Says, hey, he said this so that he would know what kind of death he was gonna glorify God with. Death? What do you mean? I just told you I love, I love you like a brother, man, but we do have some boundaries. And yet now you can, I just got through saying I'm not ready to give it all. He said, yeah, but you will be. Now look at what Peter said. Peter didn't say, whew, I just had an epiphany. You're right, Lord. Well, Peter acted like us. Look what he said, verse 20. Peter turned around and saw behind them the disciple Jesus loved, the one who had leaned over to Jesus during the supper and asked, Lord, who will betray you? Now that was the disciple John, John the beloved, right? He looks back and he looks at John because he knows John is like the class, like the teacher's pet, right? 
He's like the straight A student of the 12, right? He says, Lord, <laughs> Peter said, ask Jesus, what about him? <laughs> so wait a minute. I just got through telling you I'm a B student. And now you're telling me that I'm going to be taking like honors courses? Well, what about this guy? Look what he says. Jesus replied, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? As for you, follow me. See, wherever you're at today, you're on your own faith journey. You can't ride the coattails of your grandma who brought you up in church. You can't ride the coattails of, of your, your religious heritage. Even if you're at a place that you're like, you know what, Dave, look, this is all well and good. And look, hey, I appreciate what y'all are doing on Sundays. And I'm going to show up whenever I can. Look, I'll do my part. I mean, I'll, you know, hey, look, me and Jesus, we're cool. Jesus is saying, yeah, we're going to be cool. But if you're really going to walk in faith, if you're really going to learn to trust me, if you're really going to walk in radical transformation in your life, you're going to have to get to a place where you agape me. You're willing to give it all for me. What is the end result for us? The same thing it was for Peter, crucifixion and death. What? doesn't mean that you're actually, chances are most of us in this room are not going to have to physically give our life for him. We're not going to have to physically lose our life because of our faith. We're blessed to live in, in, in this land. And I know there's some craziness that's going on and some of our freedoms here and there are being taken away. But I'm, I'm telling you, most of us in our lifetime are probably not going to have to physically die. But Paul said, I want to know him. Well, how do we know him? He said, in the fellowship of his suffering, even unto death. And then I can know him in the power of his resurrection. If you're going to have transformation in your life and really be a follower of Jesus, there's going to come a time you're going to have to die out to yourself. And the closer you get to him, the less fun some of the stuff that you're participating with seems. And the less important some of the things that you thought you couldn't live without, now all of a sudden you really don't give any, give any thought to him. Why? Because you're dying out. You are decreasing and he is increasing. Your love is changing from just, ah, you know, I love man. I, me and my wife, we do Sunday mornings and most Sunday mornings, and that's all well and good. But, you know, I mean, we've worked hard to get to where we were. No, what, what he is saying is, and I'm not even talking about church attendance. I'm just talking about a daily walk with him to where we get to a place where we say, Lord, everything I have is yours. I have nothing, but I lack nothing. I'm 100% yours. You wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm yours to command I walk in faith. I don't know what you got planned for me, but you're going to be there. And if you want to bless me and allow me to live in a community like this or the greater community all around us, awesome. But if you send me to a village in Uganda, then I'll go as well. Wherever you want me, I'm yours. That's agape. Lord, I'm yours. 100% sold out. Use me. Take me. That's where you can say, hey, he's my buddy. He's my friend. I philia him. And he says, that's fine, but follow me. Where am I following him? You're following him into a tomb. <laughs> Why? Because you're going to a grave. He said, right now you do anything you want to do, but the day is going to come. You're going to do what your flesh don't want to do right now. But what's crazy about it, that mindset we talked about a few weeks ago follows you into the grave but it doesn't come back out when you're resurrected into something brand new. You know, Pharaoh chased Moses into the Red Sea. 
He didn't get to leave the Red Sea. He got buried there. They left Egypt as slaves. They came out the other side, a powerful nation. That's what God does with us. You may be a mere human that struggles with this and that, but when you die out to yourself, when you learn to agape him, then you rise up as, the Bible says, a new creature. Old things have passed away. All things are being made new. Look at what uh, Jesus said. Some, the, the Pharisees watched Jesus like eat the Sadducees for lunch, basically. <laughs> All these religious folks, Pharisees, Sadducees. So the Pharisees decided, oh, we got to get our stuff together. So we, they sent one of their young guys out and he says, Jesus, what's the greatest law in the law of Moses? So Jesus tells them, well, this. Jesus replied, you must, you must. Everyone say must. must. You must agape the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. You gotta love God everything, with everything. You just have to, you must love God. That's the greatest commandment in the Old Testament. But then he goes on to tell him this, because the Pharisees, hey, they loved God. They loved God so much they thought they were better than everyone else. He said, and the second, this is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is equally as important. Agape your neighbor as you do yourself. In other words, learn to love others without the expectation of receiving anything back. Your neighbors. It doesn't say just your fellow believers. We got a lot of diverse neighbors here in this neighborhood and in the greater community of Arlington. And not all of them live the way that we think they ought to live. Not all of them act or talk the way that we think they ought to attack, that they talk. And, and some of them got many different views than what we have. Well, guess what the second greatest commandment is? To agape them, to love them. Doesn't say to debate them. Doesn't say to make them feel lesser than. Love them. I've never seen anyone come to Christ because they lost a debate. But I've seen love change some hearts. Amen? Look at what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 12. This is my commandment. He's commanding us to do this. Agape each other in the same way I have agaped you. Now, if you, we have any Greek scholars in here, I know that's not how you would conjugate agape in the Greek, so just, you know, get over it. Uh, but love people unconditionally in the same way that I have loved you unconditionally. There is no greater agape than to lay down one's life for a friend. What was it that some of us were saying Jesus is? Oh, Jesus is my friend, man. He's my bro. I philia him. Well, if you want to show the greatest love to him, lay your life down for him. All the things that you think are important, say, Lord, I give it to you. And you do whatever you want to with it. Now, he's not going to make you live a boring life. Man, living for God. I said it last week. If you're not having fun living for God, then you're doing it wrong. You know? We ought to be the happiest people on the planet. Say, well, I'm going through troubles. Why everybody's going through troubles? Jesus said you're going to go through troubles. But all the trouble is, all the trials are, is just a, a way for you to learn how to use faith and trust him even more. Let's all stand. It all comes down to that. Learning to agape him, to love him beyond anything else. Why? So that you can trust him like never before. You know, I, I, had, the, I had the honor of, of sitting in, in the Dave Cave Friday night and sharing 
my testimony, and many of you watched it play out of how the Lord provided all my needs. I found myself at a place in life that, man, I had nothing. I was starting over again. And yet God, within a matter of days, provided my needs. Why? Because I was just willing. Was it because I'm a spiritual giant? Nope. But I was crazy enough to actually believe him. Not just believe in him, but believe him. You know? All week long, I've been singing this song. Who would have thought that my grandma and my mom was planting seeds of faith, of truly knowing how to trust in him back in the old days? Some of y'all will remember this old song. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Someone help me. Just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know Thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. You can trust him like none other. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And if he said it in his word, the Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen. Yes, and the, the word amen means so let it, let it be so. And so it is. So all of his promises are, yet yeah, God, will you do this for me? <laughs> yes, <laughs> let it be so. Some say, well, hang on, Pastor Dave. Sometimes God answers no. Yes, he does, but not when it comes to his promises. Over 7,000 promises in the Bible. Surely one of them you can apply to a situation that you're in. God, will you do this for this situation? Is that a promise? Yes, I will do that. I promised it. We can trust in him, amen? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your agape love. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit just begins to call people higher to totally devote their lives to you, not just on Sunday morning, but all throughout the week that they can be representatives on their jobs, in the marketplace, in their houses, with their neighbors, that we can begin to learn to acknowledge you in all our ways, as the, as the word says. The most simplest of details of our life, be a part of. Lord, if there's anyone here that's, that's in us tonight, that, that's with us today, that, that uh, has, has never asked you to be Lord of their life, I pray that you begin to minister to their heart right now. If there's others who maybe just need to recommit their lives to you, begin to pull on them and tug them closer. We praise you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer after service, if you need prayer for anything, I want you to come, come see me. I would be honored to pray for you. Uh, we're, like I said, with COVID and stuff, we've not been doing altar calls or anything like that. But, but it, Or if you're here and you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, come talk to me because we can take care of that <laughs> and we can explain some things to you. Amen. I, I love you guys. We're going to one more time, we're going to celebrate one, with one more song and we're going to sing about his love today because his love always breaks through for us. Amen. Can we give him some praise today in this house? Woo!